Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, October 25th. What a semifinal Saturday we just had in the professional tennis world. All of the action living up to the hype because we said on Friday, given the players we had left in the draw in Antwerp, it was Demonauer, Dimitrov, Umber Evans in Cologne, Zverev versus Sinner, FAA versus Schwartzman, and then of course in Ostrava, Azarenka versus Sakari, Sabalenka versus Brady. We had had reasons to be excited as tennis fans and again these players all living up to the moment some outstanding tennis scene across the board want to break down all of that action on today's podcast of course I am recording this now at 1 38 p.m on Sunday that means a couple of our finals have already been played. Do apologize we weren't able to get you finals previews before then, although I did give my thoughts on today's matches, on today's GSP Aces of the Day, so hopefully you all were able to listen to that before the matches started. I do, of course, want to recap, though, those semifinal matches. Again, talk about the outstanding performances we've seen. Weave in some of the quotes we've gotten from these players in Ostrava, our Crack Rackets team, a part of Press Row this week, so of course want to have you listeners hear from that if you want to hear my entire uh, series of questions I asked these players. And yesterday, we got to speak to all four semifinalists. Be sure to hop over to the Cracked Interviews podcast to hear those thoughts. And of course, the reason we were able to do these podcasts day in, day out, Saturday, Sunday, weekday, it doesn't matter. There's tennis going on all the time. We want to provide you guys what we want to provide you the stories. We want to let you know what is happening. The reason we're able to do that because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You know the deal. We want you to look good. We want you to feel good because ultimately what matters most, going on the court and playing good. And that's where our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off all of the amazing gear they have on their website. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, you go to Aerobar. Use our promo code CRACKED15. You'll get the only set of tennis-specific energy bars in the business. So delicious, folks. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to even name those other brands, but I've completely switched away from them. Aerobar is the brand for me. It's a delicious way to start your day. You use our promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. So go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Now, with that in mind, let's get into the action. And let's start in Ostrava as we have all week because, hey— Chivalry, not dead. Ladies should always go first. There's something to good manners, folks. You know, uh, take that to heart. It's the little things that they start to add up. What am I saying? I know nothing about anything. Anyways, that was a joke gone awry. Let's start with Ostrava, where we had two straight set matches. Probably the least dramatic day thus far in the WTA action. And we saw, uh, you know, uh, we're going to see our first all-Belarusian final on Sunday as Arena Sabalenka and Vika Azarenka both advance in straight sets. Let's start with Sabalenka, who obviously coming off of her quarterfinal performance against Cerebas Tormo, she lost the first 10 game of, games of the match, won the last 12. She talked in the press conference. She said, I am going to try and get off to a different start. I am going to adjust my warm. I am going to talk to my coaches, make sure I don't come out as flat as I have in my past two matches. And she came out firing in this one. She goes up breaks early in both sets. And you know, it was just how decisive she was. She seemed to have made a choice. I'm going down swinging. I'm going down playing on my terms. And it was a display of power tennis from both of these players, by the way. I mean, we all have seen over these past three months, Jen Brady's ability to hit the serve, turn on a forehand. It's special. Uh, but you know who else is in the top 
0.1% of power players of capabilities off of her racket, that ball exploding in the women's game. Arena Sabalenka, who showed that here today. I mean, she only made 60 or 59% of her first serves, but she wins 72% of those points, 73% of her second serve points. Overall on the day, she's 39 of 50, uh, yeah, 39 of 54 overall on service points. That's good for a win percentage, as you can see, right around, uh, I believe, I want to say, let's see, the, the return percentage, total return games. Anyways, I was trying to do a little bit of math there in my in my head. She won 72.2% of her service points, which is, uh, that's what you, that's where the game starts, right? That's where the base is. You control the controllables, and she did such a good job on serve. She played plus one tennis. She changed direction, did not let Jen Brady hit more than two, three, four hands in a row, because you can't let Jen Brady do more than that. Otherwise, she's going to win the point. And, you know, it was just Again, she came out firing. She was locked in from start to finish. Sometimes, you know, you talk to the body language doctors. They're not the biggest fan of Sabalenka because she'll show her disappointment on her face, in her body language, the slump shoulders. There was none of that today. She was locked in from start to finish. And again, you know, Jen Brady in this match, she only got broken, I think, three times. She broke once. This was a match decided on small margins. Brady, 21 of 28 on her own first serve points, but just wasn't able to make enough first serves. Only made 52%. She's 12 of 26 on second serve points. Sabalenka was the one dictating terms, was the one playing plus one tennis, was the one moving forward, hitting the swinging volleys more frequently than Brady. And again, this was a top 10 level match. These are two players playing some really phenomenal power tennis. Sabalenka just again showing why uh, she has won I think or you know she has won I think six titles coming into this week all of them at fairly high I think premier or higher levels Uh, she again I continue to say I think it's a matter of when not if she wins a grand slam but her you know this was an excellent display of tennis from her a really good performance against an informed Brady who even if she plays in Linz or not by the way for Jennifer Brady and we got the chance to speak to with her go check that out on the Cracked Interviews podcast um, you know, what a phenomenal three-month stretch for her. For Sabalenka, you know, I do actually want to let you, all of you listeners here, because as I mentioned, I did ask her, you know, what exactly does it look like? She said she was going to change her warm-up. Well, what exactly does that mean? When you're changing your warm-up as a professional player, if you're trying to get yourself going qu- quicker in the match, what is it you're doing before the match to help facilitate that? Let's hear what she had to say. Congratulations on the win, Arena. Um, you talked about this yesterday in your press conference. You mentioned it earlier already today, but changing your preparation for this match. For those of us, since we don't get the chance to be on site, uh, what do those changes look like? What are you do- doing differently today that maybe you didn't do yesterday? Well, on, on court, I moved a little bit more. So my hitting partner staying in one corner and moving me, like so make sure that I'm like, uh, my body is ready for uh for the match and yeah before the match we moved a little bit more and like doing some um jumps and like some throwing the balls like make sure i'm like i'm really ready and my body is like how to say not stiff but like really like um hard or hard or i don't know like Mm -hmm. loose and ready to go sure yes yes (laughs) 
Yeah, you can hear it in Sapolenka's voice. She know she knew she had to make some sort of adjustment following that quarterfinal round. That's exactly what she did. She advances in the finals now, where she'll get her second shot of this restart at Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka knocking off Sapolenka in the second round of the U.S. Open yesterday. She knocks off Maria Sakkari six one six three in a match that I think was closer than the scoreline reflects. I mean, fairly lopsided there, but you look in terms of the total points, it was a fifty six forty four percentage spread. Sakari had plenty of chances in this match. I mean, you look at it overall, she, I believe, had eight break points, was only able to convert one of them for Azarenka. She's five of 13 on break points. Sakari just didn't have a weapon to really overwhelm uh, Vika Azarenka. Vika seemed to always be able to claw her way back into points, or you know, she seemed to do a really good job of playing plus one tennis herself, using up her serve to set up the approach shots to just dictate the terms of engagement on each point. And you know, for Vika, once again, eighty-one percent, eighty-two percent, excuse me, of her first serves go in. She wins sixty percent of those points, which is a little low, but it's okay because she won fifty-four percent of her second serve points. She held Maria Sakkari to under fifty percent. Overall on serve, you know, Vika winning 53% of her return points. Vika was just in control. She seemed to dictate the terms in each and every point. And again, Maria Sakkari, a fantastic athlete. She's great at playing defense. She can turn defense into offense. She's going to beat you to the spot and take a ball early down the line, similar to the way an Alex Demonauer would on the men's side. And we'll get to him in a second. But man, Vika looks good. I mean, it's for real, folks. If this is the level she carries into 2021, she is back in the the conversation at the top of the women's game. It's now you enter every tournament, and of course, you want to be excited about all of the young players, but you just can see the way Vika can maneuver herself through a week when she's playing her best tennis, the confidence she exudes on court. It's contagious, and it's really, really impressive, the level she's displayed. Again, we got the chance to speak with her yesterday. Be sure to go hear those thoughts on our Cracked Interviews podcast, but should be a really exciting final between Sabalenka and Azarenka. I hope all of you listeners got the chance to see that final already this morning. Um, That's the action in Ostrava. Let's turn now to Antwerp, where again, it should be a really fun uh, final as we had an outstanding semi-final day. Let's talk about the match that, in my opinion, has a case, has a claim to be named the best ATP match of this season. That's Alex Diemenauer, 7-6-6-7-6-4 victory over Grigor Dimitrov. And simply put, folks, This match was a track meet. This match was a display of athleticism that was just second to none. I mean, what these two are both able to do on the run, the shots they're able to produce, the power from just these ridiculous locations on the court— this was an either-or battle, folks, and I mean, you look at the stats overall in this match, you know, for Demonauer and for Dimitrov, uh, it was an either-or, and again, the stats, of course, they don't want to behave right now, they don't want to come up when I need them most, but again, it, it was right there for Grigor Dimitrov, and for him to bounce back in that second set, it did feel like after Demonauer took the first set breaker that maybe he'd be able to, you know, Grigor would start to slap a little bit more, or maybe just Demonauer would start to wear him down. That was not the case for both of these players. I mean, some of the stick volleys Demonauer has, as I mentioned for soccer, his ability to just beat you to the spot and then take a ball down the line early, followed in, came up with some ridiculous on-the-stretch volleys. I mean, Grigor was great, too. What what makes me so excited about this level is just, you know, people who are worried about, oh, what happens when Djokovic and Nadal Federer, what happens when they're gone? 
I mean, I could watch these two battle all day. The level of tennis in the, this match, they just pushed themselves to play better and better and better. And, you know, Demonauer had a couple of break chances at late in the third that Dimitrov was able to hold off, but you could feel Dimitrov start to crack. Just Alex Demonauer overwhelming him with his athleticism again. The thing I'd recommend the most is go watch this match, folks. It was delightful. As was Ugo Umber's three set win over Dan Evans, 4 6 7 6 6 4. Evans, couple of match points up 6 3 in that second set breaker, throws in a double fault at 6-4. On the 6-3 point, you know, he had control of the point, then Umber gets the ball deep into the Evans backhand. Evans floats a slice. Uh, Umber, I believe, goes backhand down the line, winner on that floated slice. Does Evans want that backhand back? Probably. But I didn't think it was a bad choice by him. It was just Ugo stepped up his game. I mean, you've probably all seen the passing shot he hit at 7-all in that breaker. The young man can ball, and I mean, he reaches another final here this year. He obviously won the title earlier this season. Indoor hard courts, the lefty can just do a lot of things, and he's a really solid athlete. Again, definition of your modern player, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", lanky, good off of both wings. I'm excited to watch this final against he and Alex Dimenauer. I think it's going to be a feat of athleticism, and I think it should lead. Again, these are the sorts of matchups we can all now get excited for. I know it's only a 250 event, but still, both of these young players playing such good tennis. They're both firmly inside the top 40, obviously. We're going to see them at the top of the men's tennis game for quite a bit of time. For Dan Evans brutal loss for him. A couple of brutal losses, really, since this restart, but he's playing some really good ball, and, you know, on a hard court, indoors, outdoors, it doesn't matter. Uh, The guy can play. I mean, the guy is going to be making round of 16s at Masters events, maybe even quarterfinals. Same deal. He's going to be in in the mix at these hard court majors. Uh, He is, again, a lot of, we've talked about Dan Evans' story before, suspended for some drug issues early in his career, has bounced back, and just, he's phenomenal. And so, uh, this was a really fun match. Credit to Ugo Bear, who's got a little personality too, a little bit spicy, and I kind of like that. And so, again, very much looking forward to this Umber Demon Hour matchup. Let's move now to Cologne. And again, we're going to keep today on the shorter side. Some of these final matchups have happened. I'm going to drag Jamie on with me tomorrow night to sort of talk about the weekend overall, but... Cologne delivered, folks. I mean, you can hear probably the smirk in my voice as I now move to 1-1 one one overall in my rivalry against Ben Rothenberg as Alex Zverev, seven six six three over Yannick Sinner. And, you know, this match, did Zverev do his thing a couple of You know, Sinner races out to a 4-1 lead. Then Zverev serves for the match at 6-5. The double fault yips come back to bite him again. And then, you know, he races out with the tiebreaker, has a lead in the second set, you know, sort of lets his foot off the gas. But... I, I still, when you come up with a game plan to beat Alex Vera on an indoor hard court, call me and we've got a podcast spot for you because the guy's an absolute beast inside. I mean, he gets clean looks at the ball. It's impossible to hit a winner on him in controlled conditions because, again, six foot six, moves as fluidly as anyone, incredible first step. And, you know, when you, you, when you see, I think Sinner provided him the sort of spin, the heaviness of ball where Zverev can almost bunt down on some of his backhands and then absorb that pace on the forehand and just drive through the court. He looks more comfortable volleying and moving forward with each passing match. And again, once the second serve, Yips go away. I don't know what the recipe is. He gets passive in big moments, absolutely, but he's the sort of athlete that can get passive and again turn defense into offense, as well as any player in the men's game. And you know, for young Yannick Sinner, the three set battle against Simone the day before to go up 4 1 on Zverev. 
kind of just lost the thread on his serve, got a little bit of slap happy. You could see his legs sort of, you know, fading on him, but semifinals here, really good week for Yannick Sinner. No reason to not continue to be thrilled about his potential, but great win for Zverev now, who I think has won seven, eight matches in a row, something like that, and makes a back-to-back final now in Cologne, where he'll face Diego Schwartzman, the number two seed surviving a three-set battle against FAA, and, you know, Schwartzman is actually up a set and a break. I believe served for the match in this one, and you know, we said it coming into the day. FAA had the power advantage in the controlled conditions of an indoor hardcourt. You'd think he'd have cleaner looks on the serve with the forehand to sort of impose his will on Schwartzman to, you know, push Schwartzman back to be the one playing aggressive, to be the one dictating terms. And honestly, there was a lot of that in this match. This match was just a feat of athleticism. I mean, Schwartzman tracking down corner to corner. Schwartzman obviously targeting that FAA backhand side more than anything, but FAA kept clawing. He's willing to move forward the second he gets a forehand. He's in control of the point, and as his opponent, you're in trouble. And I've said it before, it sounds like a freaking nuclear bomb is going off every time FAA strikes that forehand cleanly. And there are just times you could tell even Schwartzman's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He hit, like, short, you know, FAA at times is almost baiting Schwartzman. Yeah, hit to my forehand side. Yeah, I'm going to try and cheat over on this ad side. I dare you to try and go behind me because then once I get a forehand, I get my next forehand. And it's not the first forehand hand you have to be afraid of. It's the second forehand from FA once he starts to really assert himself in the point. Uh, but Schwartzman, whether it's drop shots early on, whether it's again his discipline pounding the backhand corner, just making enough returns, asking enough questions of FA. I believe FA on the break point had an overhead to win the point in that third set, but just wasn't able to put it away. And that's because Schwartzman's a survivor. That's what he does. La Cacaroch. I mean, the guy is just, you can't kill him ever. And so credit to Diego Schwartzman in this match six uh six four five seven six four uh, a tremendous victory for him I mean again he's been so good since uh losing that first round match at the U.S. Open and it's so engaging it's so fun to watch I mean the guy's a thousand percent that's the effort he's giving at all times so what a phenomenal match and it should be a really fun I believe Schwartzman two and one head to head over Zverev Zverev's one win though did come in straight sets on indoor hard courts I think that's what this next match is going to turn out to be but it's going to be a battle, folks, so I know I speak for all of us when we say we enjoy to watch that. A uh, quick note on the challengers going on this week because we have our final set in Turkey. It's going to be Marc-Andre Husler taking on Botic van de Sanschlup. Of course, Husler 4-6 uh, and six win over Huang van de Sanschlup, 6-1, and one, uh, worth nominating. Excuse me, not in Turkey, that matchup happening in Germany. Uh, of course, that matchup indoors on carpet, so big serving, obviously at a premium. Expect, I'm thinking at least one time tiebreaker in that matchup tomorrow. And then, of course, in Istanbul, we're there on the hard courts. Ivashka over Benjamin Bonzi in three sets. And then Martin Kleeson, 6-4-7-5 over Borna Gojo. That should be a really fun final between Ivashka and Kleeson. And of course, we will be back here later today. You'll be able to hear it tomorrow morning where and we will talk about Championship Sunday. We'll talk about all the finals going on across the tennis world. We'll reset the scene as we head into one of our last few weeks here of professional professional tennis in 2020. But if you have missed any of our content, be sure to go to our website, crackedrackets.com, where you can find this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and Inside Out Podcast. And you can like, rate, subscribe, review them there, share them with your friends. We're always so grateful for any comments you may all have for us. Of course, we are also eternally grateful from the support we get from our spo- uh, sponsors, Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, go to Aerobar.com, use that promo code 
Cracked 15, and of course, last but not least, shout out to our super producers, Max Wigner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With that in mind, for my wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Mini Break Podcast. That is not, I almost went into a Cracked Interviews here. See, that is where my brain is at at the end of this week's. Nevertheless, you know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.